out there, podcast land. You're such a dog once again to Combat Sports with Rhino, episode 183. Holy smokes. Our guest a little later on going 10 rounds with Rhino, UFC veteran, current Cage Titans lightweight, Slippery Pete himself, Peter Barrett is going to join us for 10 rounds with Rhino. It is awesome. What an interesting uh, character that he is and a really, really tough fighter, tough veteran. So I can't wait for you guys to check that out a little bit around. So our intro and our schedule is as follows. We are going to have our full breakdown of the massive UFC 290 pay-per-view from last night. APB and my drop of the night. Picks for UFC Vegas 77. Some fire Q&A with some members of the Rhino gang. And then the aforementioned Slippery Pete, Peter Barrett, is going to go 10 rounds of Rhino. It's a lot of fun. Can't wait for you guys to check that out. So, APB, without further ado, it's already super hot here. I'm sure it's hot there. Let, let's go ahead and get our swim trunks and our flippy floppies on and dive right in. So UFC 290 from Las Vegas was a part of International Fight Week, which is just one of the biggest times of the year for us MMA fans. So our first fight on the card, and these are not in perfect order, APB and fam out there listening. Just bear with me if one's a little ahead of schedule or the other. Just, just go with it, all right? So number one, Esteban Robovics over Kamula Kirk. This one was a good fight to start the night. Camilo looked great in the first round, um, taking him down and kind of controlling him. Nothing heavy, nothing major, but he did a really good job in the first. But in the second and the third, holy shit, Esteban Robovics was a fucking terminator. Coming forward, throwing huge punches, really nice combinations, ripping to the body, ripping to the face, some really good leg kicks. He was really all over Camilo Kirk. And then finally by the third, um, Camilo seemed to have really slowed down and he seemed to really be kind of gassing out. And Esteban just had energy for days. Even when Camilo would take him down, he would, you know, wiggle his way out. You know what I mean? Use his jiu-jitsu and his ability to stand up and get up and just start the fight on the feet again. Really, really fun, entertaining first fight um, to get us started last night with Esteban Robovitz winning by unanimous decision in that one. All right. Uh, let's get this over with. A pull it like a Band-Aid, APB. Our man, Shannon, the Turkish Delight Ross. Going against Jesus Aguilar at 125 pounds. Dude, they started the fight. Very first punch that Jesus threw was an overhand right, and it was a crusher. Hit Shannon Ross right square in the face, knocked him down, knocked him out. KO in the first round for Jesus Aguilar over our guy Shannon Ross. We still ride with you, Turkish Delight. We still love you, broski. Hope you'll be back soon. All right. Getting into our third fight, we had Cameron Simon over Terrence Mitchell. Very, again, first round. Uh, Simon was able to take him down, get, get the ground and pound going. Mitchell was unable to get out of it. TKO in the first round for Cameron Simon at 135. In our fourth fight, we had Marcin Prakino versus Vitor Petrino. And uh, Vitor actually got his first submission of his whole career, got the uh, arm triangle in the third round with the, uh, the submission in the third for Vitor beating Marcin Prakino at 205. All right, I know this one's a little out of order, but we're going to keep going. We got Alonzo Menafield versus Jimmy Crute. Now, this is a rematch, APB, of their very exciting, very entertaining draw from last, I don't know, I think it was five months ago, I think I want to say. And uh, this one was slower. This one was, they even mentioned this on the on the uh, broadcast team. This one was a little bit more methodical, a little bit slower. A hard one, too, for Alonzo. A lot of my least favorite aspect of them, and a lot of wall wrestling for a while. Some inside knees from Jimmy the Crute. Um and then basically, dude, Jimmy threw a shot in the second round. Alonzo Benefield stuffed it, got the takedown himself, <laughs> slapped on a neck crank, and just put Jimmy Crute, I mean, not to sleep, but made him tap out frantically and bad. And here's the, here's the so again, Alonzo Benefield gets the uh, submission in the second round over Jimmy the Crute, Jimmy the Crute. 
But here was the interesting sidebar to this. Jimmy Crute, and as we all know, a sign of a retirement of a fighter is they take off their gloves, they put them in the middle, and that's it, right? Like, that's them signifying to everybody, hey, well, I'm done, I'm out, that's it for me. And apparently what happened was his corner, came with his coaches and stuff, they came and they picked up the gloves. They're like, no, you're not quitting like that. Which <laughs> I've is, never seen I know, which is amazing. And, you yeah. know, you're right. You should not, unless you've already made the plans before, kind of like Robbie Lawler did. Right. Unless you planned before, you shouldn't do it when your emotions are that high. Yeah. Just coming off of a lot. It's, it, you know, you're not thinking with a clear mind. So I'm He's really. He's very young, too. Exactly. I'm very impressed with his corner and his coaches to be like, no, nah, fam, we're not pulling this bullshit right now. And they picked up his gloves <laughs> and like, we'll talk about this more in the back. So big win for Alonzo Menafield. I hope Jimmy Crute is not retired. He's a very good fighter. Big win for Alonzo Menafield there. All right. Let's get into 130 pound catch weight with Tatsuro Tyra versus Edgar Chalrez. I hope I'm saying that right. Um, basically Tatsuro Tyra was able to take Edgar down over and over and over again. He had a few nice crucifix positions, was landing some inside elbows. But Edgar showed a real toughness and a real savvy what he was on the ground of fending off submissions, not letting anything super major land. When he would get up, he was really trying to, you know, force a fight. But, you know, Tyra is so good on the ground, and he was able to keep taking Edgar down over and over and over again. A very clear-cut unanimous decision for Tatsuro Tyra, the very exciting young prospect from Japan. Got a UD in that one. All right. Let's get into Yasmin. Oh, wow. You're... Oh gosh, <laughs> War Warjo Wargo. I'm not even sure how you probably say it, versus Denise Gomes. Um, Gomes literally threw two right hands, and then <laughs> a third right hand, and Yasmin dropped, and then Gomes unloaded some ground and pound, and the fight was over in the blink of an eye. Like it was one of those where like they were about to fight, and I went to go refill my water, and then I hear everybody going crazy, and I come back, I'm like, what happened? What happened? <laughs> and Denise Gomes, man, she knocked her out and finished her on the ground gnarly early uh, first round finish for her at 115 pounds all right what was supposed to be next was supposed to be jack della madalena versus josiah harrell that one did not work out and, uh, and apparently um they, it's actually a good thing that they found i'm, I'm sorry i'm not saying the, uh, the opponent's name right but they found like a, a brain issue in the pre-fight scan so that fight was taken off so it sounds like jack De so i hope he gets taken care of first of all second of all it looks like Jack Delamelina is going to try to get on next week's card, which would be awesome. Um, so we'll see what happens there. And now let's get into our featured prelim, APB. Ew. Robbie Lawler is just – I mean, what to say about the guy? I've loved He's perfect. Watching him He's fight. just yeah. perfect. I've loved watching him fight for 20 years. Um, my favorite book of all time, and I think I mentioned this on the show a long time ago, but my favorite book um, I've ever read is called A Fighter's Heart by Sam Sheridan. And it's essentially the story of a guy who um, goes and immerses himself in various fight cultures. So, and this this took place in the early 2000s, which at the time, Bettendorf, Iowa, and Militich Fighting System was like the creme de la creme of MMA gyms. And you had a young, like 20-year-old Robbie Lawler, who they mentioned, they talk about in the book. Now, you know, then the guy goes to Thailand, and he fights Muay Thai, and he lives like a, you know, a Thai fighter. And then he goes to Oakland and becomes a boxer. You know, he has one fight in each. But it's a very cool book. I, I refuse to read the one that they did on dogfighting because I'm super anti-dogfighting. But all the rest of the chapters, which were actual human combat, it's a, it's a wonderful book. And I really, really, again, I love that book. But I will never read the, the ugh, I love animals, and I don't want to hear it in that bullshit. But getting back to Robbie Lawler. He was, over his career, someone you could always count on to bring a really exciting, 
fun style. Have I mean, I gave him his flowers like a lot last week, so I don't want to go too hard on this. But Robbie Lawler is exactly what you wanted, at least for me and you, I know, of an MMA fighter. The, the, the way that he carries himself, the way that he fights, and the fact that he got to win a championship, um, you know, nine years ago, really caps it all off for the UFC. So he goes out there last night against a very good Nico Price. Nico Price is a solid fighter. Yeah, Nico Price is always exciting, too. <laughs> I know. Like, you remember the Randy Brown knockout from, like, bottom <laughs> with the hammer fist? Like, that was amazing. Yeah. And they, Nico Price, they go out there, they exchange a little bit, and then Robbie Lawler throws a left. And then a left uppercut. And then a combo. And then another uppercut. And then on his way down, he hits Nico with another left. Robbie Lawler finishes Nico Price in the very first round. Now, it was a beautiful finish. Watch the replay. He hits him really hard, really clean a bunch of times. To anybody out there, because I've already seen this online a little bit, saying Nico Price took a dive. Shut up. He would never do that. He would never do that. Uh, Robbie Lawler hits. Okay, if you're going to say that, let Robbie Lawler hit you. Yeah. That same combination. And you see how you react to that, because that is a total BS thing to say. Robbie Lawler deserves all the credit he gets. I hope he has a wonderful retirement. And we do have a question about him a little later on in the Q&A, so we'll get to that then. All right, let's get into our main card. We had all-world wrestler Bo Nickel decide not to wrestle. (laughs) He was fighting. Late replacement, Valentine Woodburn. Um, Like I said, very late replacement. At 185 pounds, Bo Nickel, just, they just stayed on the feet. And it, it was a lot longer than I thought they were going to. I thought he was going to maybe throw a couple hands and then shoot because that's where he knows his bread is buttered. However, he felt like staying on the feet, and he cracked Valentine Woodburn, dude. It was like a left, right, left, um, puts him down. He hits him one more time for good measure on the ground. Bo Nickel gets the first-round TKO. There was a lot of first-round TKOs last night, but you know how much I love. There's a, it's, there's a, it's a love-hate thing because I love the definitive finish. But then I hate how long it takes hate the, the filler. to have it right. Because <laughs> pace of play, this UFC just does not, I don't know, they don't have the wherewithal to be like, okay, that's awesome. We just had a first-round KO or TKO. Let's let's have five minutes commercials and then start the next fight. No, 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 no. It ends up being 18, 20 minutes of filler and BS. And, like, come on, dude. You can, you, you can, you can have pace of play be much improved all right so that was our bow nickel fight at 185 pounds moving into jalen turner versus dan hooker holy shit what a fight apb what a fight yeah this Dude. went way longer than i thought yeah especially when it started out with jalen turner just kicking dan's ass dude yeah he had a really nice combinations it was a low blow then they got back to action that body kick from jalen turner was money all night oh and i do need to preface this by saying jalen turner who i was all for on this fight beforehand Missed weight. I hate yeah. weight misses. Unless it's short notice, I have, I get really pissed off about that. So Jalen Turner missed weight. So I had picked Jalen Turner, and I thought Jalen Turner was going to win. And then when he missed weight, I automatically switched over to being Team Dan Hooker on this one. He did. So it, yeah, for sure. So in the first round, um, again, Jalen Turner's body kicks, he had some really nice body shots and straight punches. Hooker was getting lit up. Hooker, you know – he fought back here and there, but really that first round was almost all Jalen Turner. And then in the second, they both opened up, and it was a full-on – well, at the end of the first, it was a firefight. And then that came on again in the second round, close quarters boxing, some more of those gnarly body kicks for Jalen. Dan started to really land that leg kick, which I think started to change the, the tone of everything in there. It really started to hurt Jalen Turner's leg. Um, and then, dude, in, in the third – I'm sorry, in the second still, that head kick hit Dan Hooker so hard. I can't believe he just ate it and kept on fighting. Opened up his forehead, and then we saw the the very um, reminiscent of Ric Flair 
back in the 80s where the platinum blonde hair got the blood mixed into it, <laughs> which then be- becomes a redhead. And uh, they just kept on fighting, dude. And then the third, it was Dan Hooker, dude. He was really racking up the punches and the knees and the kicks. Uh, he hurt Jalen Turner two or three times. Uh, Jalen did get a takedown. But again, I thought the, the third and then the second were probably for Dan Hooker. The first for Jalen Turner. Dan Hooker got the split decision in that one at 155. I think Jalen Turner really should move up to 170. I think yeah, he's enormous for, sure. for 155. And you're proven, dude, as you get older, you cannot make weight the way you could when you were younger. The cuts are harder. It's gnarlier on your body. Uh, the law of diminishing returns, people like to talk about. You know what I mean? It's just not worth it. I really think you should move to 170. Big win for Dan Hooker. Jalen Turner is really good. Huge win for Dan Hooker. Yeah, Jalen Turner really is a tough opponent for anybody. 100%, dude. And Dan Hooker really showed... What he's always shown, that's how tough his nails that he is and came back from some really big adversity. So I still think Jalen Turner is a future top, top, top tier fighter. I just honestly think he needs to move it to 170. I really do think so. So, all right. Let's go ahead and get into our – oh, no. (laughs) Let's go into our man, Robert the Reaper, Whitaker, Bobby Douglas is also known, versus DDP. All right, so Robert was looking good early. That jab was looking real crisp. Um, he got a nice takedown. DDP did get right up, right? Um, a big knee from DDP seemed to hurt Robert. Then he got the takedown. Uh, then, then in the second round, a few nice DDP punches, a nice short elbow from Robert, and then DDP landed a big jab, which hurt Robert, right? He goes down for a second. He pops back up, and you can see he's not right. Uh, he starts backing up. DDP comes even, you know, storming forward, following into the fence, throws three, four, five, six punch combination. Robert goes down. He then throws a few more shots on the ground, finishes Robert Whitaker in the second round. I was jaw dropped. Unbelievable. <laughs> Could not be like, no, like Robert, no. And so Dariscus Duplicius gets the TKO in the second round over Robert Whitaker, whom I love so much. I do I'm too. I'm so bummed for. I know, um, me too. I'm not a fan of DDP in any stretch of the imagination. No, I mean, he's fun to watch fight. Yeah, he's fun to watch fight. He's kind of a douche. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Sometimes, APV, you say things with just like the most nonchalant tone ever, and they're (laughs) so funny. It cracks me up every fucking time. You are the best. All right. (laughs) Let's go ahead and get into a really fun co-main event, which is Brandon Moreno versus Alexandre Pantoja. Um, this one was interesting because Pantoja looked really good early. Now, Moreno has always kind of been a slow starter, which I think has bit him in the ass several times. And, and, and last night was another example of that, dude. <laughs> so Pantoja looked good in the first round. He really got the uh, – he was getting the, 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 the punch off first before Brandon was. He was landing pretty clean, moving around, sticking and moving. Pantoja clearly won the first round to me. And then in the second, Brandon Moreno woke up. APB and he started throwing everything. He was storming out there, huge shots. Uh, he he wouldn't let Alexander Pantoja breathe. He was all over him. Pantoja would fire back, right? But Brandon Moreno really kind of established, okay, I'm here to fight now in the second round, and it looked great, and he clearly won that one. The next three rounds are a blur because it would be like hmm. such ebb and flows of. Brandon Moreno then, you know, his big combinations seemed to hurt Alexander Pantoja. And then Pantoja would land his combinations that seemed to hurt Brandon Moreno. And they were back and forth. And they were ping-ponging all over the cage. These 125ers are so fast. They keep such a high pace. It was an incredible next three rounds. Uh, it ended up being a split decision, Alexander Pantoja and New. Um, I think when I scored it last night, again, 
I'm in the thralls of like, you know, being super tired, but I'm yeah. being super excited about what I'm watching. So it's this weird mix. But essentially, I think I scored it three rounds to two for Moreno, and then Pantoja won. However, I could totally have no problem with Pantoja getting the nod over him. And, and people love to say, you got to take the title from the champion. Well, if it's that close, it can go either way, and that's just what's going to happen sometimes. Split decision for Pantoja, again, no robbery at all. I think it was ultra, ultra razor thin. Brandon Moreno loses the title again. <laughs> Pantoja is our new titleist at 125 pounds all right now. Alexander Volkanovsky versus Jair Rodriguez. I got through about half of the fight last night, so I had to just start over. <laughs> I and watch kept the falling asleep on that one. <laughs> yeah, I just had to start <laughs> over and watch, fresh, had to watch with fresh eyes this morning. And so I watched the whole fight, and what a fun fight this was. All right. So the fights, the fighters get out there. Yair Rodriguez and Alexander Volkanovsky with the 145-pound belt. Yair has the interim title. Alexander has the, the real belt. There were some nice kick exchanges between Yair and Volk. Volk was landing kind of the low kicks. Yair was going high and going to the body. And then Volk got the big takedown. Body, body, head, ground and pound was just on the playlist for the first round. He would go body, body, head. And it was like Yair couldn't figure it out. Because he was exposing his body, taking two or three body shots, and then he would put his arms out to kind of like try to defend, and then he would eat a shot to the face. So like, beautiful, um, beautiful work from Alexander Volkanovsky in the first round. Uh, he did, Yair did, you know, game gamely get up to his feet, but then he got put back down, more ground and pound. In the second round, you could tell Yair Rodriguez was trying to kick his head off, dude, because he was throwing really hard question mark kicks, high kicks. Um, Volk was punching his way inside, got another takedown, but Yair got right up, and then he was trying to, you thought maybe he was going to get out of it? No. <laughs> Volkanovski picks him up, slams him down hard, and then started landing these gnarly elbows. Volkanovski's elbows are, like, really underrated because he throws them from not even, like, he doesn't have to raise them up too far, but he really generates power because he's got those short muscular limbs, you know what I mean? He really could just, six inches, that's all he needs, and bang, you know, he fucking opened up, Yair Rodriguez hurt him. It was a really beautiful uh, uh, second round with Alexander Volkanovsky. In the third round, dude, uh, the right hook hurt Yair. He got a big, another big takedown. Volkanovsky just put on, poured on that, that, that round and pound that he's becoming famous for. TKO in the third round for Alexander Volkanovsky and still the 145-pound champion. So we got one and new and then one and still. So a really incredible overall fight card last night. Yeah, it was um, good. So many finishes, such a fun time, lots of wars, Robbie Lawler's retirement, uh, Dan Hooker's comeback, you know, the Alexander Pantoja, Miranda Moreno title change. What an incredible night of fights last night to cap off. International Fight Week, amazing. We got a question about that too. So, real quickly, APB, let's go ahead and get our drop of the night. I'm going to go real quick. <laughs> I got Jesus Aguilar with his KO in the first round with the overhand right over my man Shannon Ross. What about you? Mine has to go to Robbie Lawler for the perfect ending to a perfect career. <sighs> I just feel like sighing, like like I'm looking at a beautiful sunset. <sighs> <laughs> Robbie Lawler, like if my my eyes should have hearts in them, right? <laughs> I just love him so much as a fighter, dude. I love that guy. Yes, all all respect to Robbie Lawler. Great, great card uh, overall as well. So let's go ahead and get it because the train keeps on a roll. Let's go ahead and get our main card picks for next week's UFC Vegas 77. First fight at 155 pounds. I've got Otman Azatar beating Francisco Prado by unanimous decision. What about you, APB? I have Azatar with the clean KO in round one. 
a finish? You? I'm shocked. All right, let's let's get into our first of many Rhino Gang fighters on the card next week. Terrence McKinney beating Nazim Sidikov by TKO in the second round. And it's going to be a straight right hand that starts it all off. A straight right TKO second for Terrence McKinney. What about you? I have Sadikov with the TKO in round one. Ooh, all right. Moving in 145 pounds, we have Rhino Gang. Chelsea Chandler fighting Norma Dumont. I think Chelsea is going to dominate on the ground, um, dominate up against the fence, inside knees, inside elbows, punches, ground and pound, some submission attempts. I think she's going to really get a clear-cut UD over Norma Dumont. What about you? I have Chandler with the rear naked choke in round two. All righty. Moving into 265, we have Josh Parisian. Not only Rhino Gang, but a fellow Michiganiac. Josh Parisian over Walt. I love Walt Harris. But yeah. I, think he's been, I think he's been gone for too long. I know he's gone through so much uh, stuff. And, you know, we love Walt Harris as a person. I just think Josh Parisian is going to get it done. TKO in the third round. It's going to be uppercuts from the clinch. Not unlike what we saw with Robbie Lara last night, except it's going to be up against the cage is what's going to happen. So I've got Josh Parisian, TKO three, uppercuts up against the cage. What about you? I have Josh Parisian with a TKO in round two. Love it. Moving into 185, I've got Albert Duryev beating Jung Young Park by TKO in the second round. And again, I like Park. I think he's the Iron Turtle, if I'm not mistaken, which I love that nickname. But uh, yeah, I got Duryev um, winning by TKO in the second round. What about you? I have Jun Young with the Anaconda choke in round three. All righty. Moving in our main event, we got Holly Holm versus Myra Silva. Holly Holm is going to get a KO, and it's going to be just like the old school, what she did to Ronda Rousey, what she did to Betch Cohea. We're going to get that left high kick, APB, and we're going to get it right on the dome of Myra Silva. KO, clean KO, fourth round, left high kick. Holly Holm over Myra Buenasilva. What about you? I'm tired of Holly Holm. <laughs> I think... <laughs> I'll pick Bueno Silva with an arm bar in round three. <clears throat> totally understandable. She's been in the game a lot. She's got a lot of maybe not necessarily deserved title shots and main event yeah. shots, but I'm still team Holly Holm on this one. All right. Let's go ahead and her Q&A with some numbers of the Rhino Gang, our first one. <clears throat> Custom our homie Ty, the fly guy from Front Kicks and Throw Cuddles. Ty, what do you got for us this week, dude? Ty says, hey, Rhino, it's Ty, the Denver hey, Broncos loving fanatic. <laughs> What a fight between Moreno and Pintoja. My question is short and sweet, but might be intriguing. What the hell do you do at Flyweight? Do you have both men rematch, or do you have an idea on who both men should fight? Let me know what you think of the show, and I'll catch you later. Peace. Definitely, definitely, dude. So I've, I've really made my feelings known about immediate rematches for the most part. I normally am not a fan of them, and I only am okay with it if it's like a really good fight, super duper close, and last night definitely qualifies as that, right? But I'd I'd be even more stoked if we got to see Amir Albazi get the next shot at Pantoja's belt, right? Because it'd be new blood. It feels like Moreno and, and, and Figueroa fought forever just swapping the title back and forth. And I feel like Moreno, I don't know, dude. He's already lost to Pantoja twice. I feel like he needs to go down a slot or two. And I would really like to see Pantoja fight Amir Albazi next, right? Um, first of all, let's 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 back up for a second. Let's say 125 is more exciting right now than it ever has been. There's more top-tier talent in there, and, and it needs to be shown because it's been the Figgy and Moreno show for the past you know few years, and I want some new blood in it. So I'm kind of glad Pantoja won. That's first of all. Second of all, I want Amir Albazi to be the next opponent. And then let the number one contender be – having Brandon Moreno fight Brandon Raw Dog Roy Val, and then whoever wins that 
gets the winner of Pantoja versus Amir Albazi. And let's have that be, you know, kind of the clear, clear, let the smoke clear on 125 and we'll see what happens there. So that's kind of my answer. Pantoja versus Albazi and then have Roy Val fight Moreno. And then that's the number one contender. I think that's a really fun way to kind of keep the, I don't know, keep the division fresh, keep it fun, keep it moving forward. And that's my, and again, I'm not going to hate a rematch. It was such a great fight last night, but I don't know. I'm kind of over Moreno in the title picture right now. And I want somebody else, two other guys fighting for the title. So that's kind of where I'm at with that tie. Thank you very much, my dude. All right. Let's go ahead and get to our next one. It's custom our homie, the Rage of Sweet Potato, RSP. What do you got for us this week, dude? RSP says, last night at UFC 290, ruthless Robbie Lawler made his final walk to the octagon and finished Nico Price with the vintage KO. He now plans to ride off into the sunset. Do you think going out on a big win like that makes retirement easier, or does it put a bug in their ear saying, you've still got it, making retirement even harder? I, I still, I think it's honestly, I think it's way easier to go out on a win um, you're definitely right that it, I'm, it may cause some people to kind of be like, well, fuck it. I got, I still got it. You know, I can go one more. I can go one more. Right. But I think the majority of the time, I think it's much easier to go out on a high note than a loss. Cause you don't want to go out on a loss and be like, man, uh, you know, it's kind of like the, the capping of the cap off of your career. You don't want to have to be an L I think very in very, in particular with Robbie Lawler. Um, first of all, he was very transparent. He was like, this is my last fight. He's like, I'm not, you know, I'm not playing this game of, maybe one foot in, one foot out. No, this is my last fight. And the reason that he's said the most, he was very transparent about it, is I don't enjoy training anymore. You know what I mean? And that's the big, that's a huge issue. If you're trying to be a top-tier, you know, MMA fighter or combat sports athlete of any kind, you have to train and you have to at least somewhat like training, at least sometimes. You can't hate it. You can't be like, oh, this sucks. I don't want to do this anymore. And if you are like that, he's smart enough to realize if that's where he's at, he needs to get out before he goes in there and gets really, you know, fucked up from somebody, right? So, yeah, I think Ruthless Robbie Lawler played this perfectly. He got out last night. Perfect, true storybook ending for him. And, uh, yeah, I think it's much better to go out on a win than it is a loss uh, to finish up your career. So, as always, RSP, great question. Thank you very much, my dude. All right, let's get into our next one, which comes from my homie, the Doc. Doc, what do you got for this this week, dude? Doc says, next week's fight night has six fighters on it that you've had on your show. Does that make it more difficult to make picks on who you think is going to win? Dude, great question. And, yeah, you know, it's very fun and it's very cool um, that, that we've had so many amazing fighters that come on and continue to come on the show that we get to interview. I, I just love it so much. And, yes, I talk about my Rhino Gang bias showing. And I hate to pick against the Rhino Gang. I have, but I hate to do it. So, again, dude, I haven't really, thankfully, I haven't been in a situation where I'm like, well, the, you know, this fighter has been on the show. They've got no chance in this fight, right? It's really never been worse than like a 50-50. Like, I'm very ultra loyal to people who have been on the show, right? Um, and as long as it's at least like a 50-50, like I'm not going to pick Josh Parisian against Francis. You know what I'm saying? Like, if they were to fight, like I'm not going to do that. But I think the vast majority of the time, like 90-plus percent of the time, it's at very bare minimum a pick em fight, a 50-50 fight. And so, yeah, I will almost always lean towards my round gang fighters, not just because I think they're awesome fighters, but because I'm loyal. They've been on the show, and I love them all. So, yeah, that's that's definitely my answer on that. So, yeah, it is. I guess if I was being someone who, like, bet money, I would I might look at things a little bit closer, maybe not let my bias show as much, but I don't do that. I just pick, you know, mostly from the heart and from the head. So, yeah, I'm sticking with my Rhino gang. Rhino gang, gang, gang. So that's a great question, Doc. Thank you very much. 
All right, let's get to our homie Brian from the home and sale. Holster, what do you got for us this week, my guy? Brian says, International Fight Week is always a big deal for the sport and MMA fans alike. I feel like it was bigger than ever this year from the Hall of Fame ceremony, all of the meet and greets, and capping it off with an amazing card. Do you feel like this year's IFW just felt bigger than in years past? Dude, I absolutely do. Just looking like from at all the various events in Las Vegas that the UFC has put on over the past week, you look at it through the lens of not just like the MMA media, but people you follow on social media. Like we know so many people who went out there or who live out there, but who went out there for International Fight Week and they're taking pictures with all of your top tier UFC champions and fighters, both, you know, at bars and at meet and greets and out on the town and, and at, you know, at the hall of fame and at the weigh-ins, like there was so much interaction between fans and fighters. And I, I don't know, dude, it just felt different this week. It had more of like that Super Bowl Sunday, Super Bowl weekend kind of a feel to it. There was so much media, not just MMA media, but just in general mainstream sports media, covering things, putting things on, uh, putting content out. It was really, really fun. Um, as far as like, as far as the UFC doing a whole week of this, I don't think you get burned out from it because it's different every night, right? You got the ceremony. I mean, sorry, you got the regular, you got the weigh-ins that all the fans go to. Then you got the Hall of Fame. Then there's meet and greets and stuff. So I don't think you burn out necessarily from it. I think it seems kind of fun. And then the whole shebang ends with the amazing fight card, which we got for uh, UFC 290. So yeah, I really think that this was the biggest international fight week ever and a sign of things to come. I think it's just going to keep growing and getting bigger. And there's going to be more and more media outlets covering it we're gonna have more and more content that comes from it and yeah i love it i love international fight week if if they'd ever move away from vegas in the summertime where i would physically melt getting off of an airplane then i would definitely go but i'm not doing it as long as it's in vegas summer dude no fucking way all right great question my dude holster thank you so much all right let's get into a homie the juicy fruit baby the friendly sparring pod juicy fruit baby what do you got for us this week dude Juice says, in light of DDP finishing Rob Whitaker, I saw a tweet tweet on the timeline this morning that I'd love to get your thoughts on. They proposed this question. Was Rob just never that good or DDP never that bad? Because it can't be both. I tend to lean towards the latter. Rob's resume speaks for itself. And maybe the nose surgery did actually solve DDP's cardio issues, but would love your take on it. Well, first of all, yeah, you and I are in agreement, but let's get, let's get this straight. In no way, shape, or form will there ever be Robert Whitaker slander on this show. He yeah. has been a phenomenal <laughs> fighter his entire UFC career, from from even from his tough days um, with you know for, for for Team Australia. Robert Whitaker is twenty four and seven in his pro record. He has been at the highest level of the UFC in nine years. He has lost to Izzy twice. And now DDP, the wars with with uh, with Romero. How can you even look at his resume and watch him fight and be like, eh, he's not that good? You know what I mean? Robert Whitaker is a phenomenal fighter. Robert Whitaker is a top tier middleweight. Robert Whitaker is a future Hall of Famer, former champion. Does he ever get back in the title picture? Maybe not, but he's still a top five guy to me at 185 pounds right now, even with the loss. So that being said. DDP is clearly a talented fighter. Did the nose surgery fix his cardio issues? 
we'll see. They didn't fight for like a five round gnarly back and forth fight. You know what I mean? You know, and so I don't know. I, I do. Do I think he's very talented? Absolutely. Am I a fan of his personality? No. And now he gets the shot at Israel Adesanya and all of the hypotheticals can go out the window because we'll get all the answers. What happens in the cage? But let us know who was the better fighter, who's the true champion, and who has the, um, you know, was DDP deserving of getting the title shot or not? Because if he performs well or wins, yes. If he gets his ass kicked from pillar to post from start to finish, which is what I kind of think is going to happen, then no, probably not. So that's my answer on that one. Make sure you check out Juice and T-Cross over there at the Friendly Sparring Pod. Thank you very much, Juice Fruit Baby. All right. Holding it down for the ladies in the Q&A. We got our girl, the Scream Queen Supreme, our girl Jess. Jess, what do you got for us this week, my love? Jess says, do you think Adesanya was stealing the moment from Duplessis or trying to sell the fight? Do you think the way he talked to him was a bit out of pocket? Normally, I'd say Izzy was, in fact, out of line, uh, taking over the post-fight interview. But in this case, dude, not so much. There's already been bad blood. There's already been lots of back and forth online, including some really like deep seated issues of a level that's way above what I'm versed enough in to speak about, especially on a combat sports podcast right now. So, again, there is uh, a lot of animosity and bad blood between these two guys. So I was fine. Yes, in a normal situation, kind of the way that Macy Barber took over. Roxy's interview, I hate that shit, and they shouldn't allow it. But they are trying to sell a fight. When we're at the end of the day, we're in the fight business, and we got to sell it. And so, basically, I'm pretty cool with Izzy going on and going hard at DDP. I know in a few months we're going to see that clip over and over again in, like, the pre-fight packages, right? And so they just needed a soundbite and some footage for the inevitable promo package to follow. Yeah, in most cases, I wouldn't like that. But with all of the um, other stuff leading up to it, yeah, I actually thought it was pretty much okay. So that is my answer on that one. Scream Queen Supreme, hope you're doing well. We love you so much. Thank you, my dear. All right, APP, let's go ahead and give it our 10 rounds of Rano with Cage Titans lightweight slippery Pete, Peter Barrett, after a quick word from our sponsor, K&R Designs. Hey, Rano gang, are you looking for a piece of furniture to tie the room together? Maybe make it feel a little bit more homey? How about a beautifully restored dresser for the bedroom or an end table for the family room? Well, look no further than my good friends at K&R Designs. You got a piece of furniture that needs restoration? They got you covered. Looking for a new addition to your home decor that's already been beautifully done? They got you there, too. We're talking dressers, armoires, kitchen tables, cabinets, nightstands, any and all wood furniture you can think of, they've got or can get for you. So check out K&R Designs in-store at 101 West Chicago Boulevard in Tecumseh, Michigan, or on their website, knrcustomdesigns.com. Check out their Facebook page, K&R Home Deco, that's D-E-C-O, to see everything they have and the amazing work that they can do. You can also call and order at 517-605-7173. They accept PayPal, Venmo, Square, Cash, Check. They accept them all. So if you want the absolute best of the best and restorative wood furniture creators, you got to check out K&R Designs. Tell them you're a member of the Rhino Gang, and that'll get you 20% off your very first purchase. Once again, check out K&R Designs, Combat Sports with Rhino's proud sponsor. Ah, oh, fight fam, we got ourselves another fantastic guest going 10 rounds of Rhino this week. Cage Titans lightweight, Slippery Pete. Peter Baird is here. Peter, thank you so much for joining us today, sir. Thanks for having me on, Rhino. I appreciate it. 
Dude, we are so stoked to have you on. I'm telling you, we have had countless fighters from the Northeast, and it really is just about my favorite region in Crapa, guys. You guys are always so fun and badass fighters and great interviews, so I'm super stoked to have you on. So basically, Slippery Pete, we got to know the origin story. How'd you first get involved in this crazy, wacky world of MMA, my dude? Um, so I, I wrestled all through high school. Um, that was kind of like turned into my passion and, um, ended up not doing too much with it. Went to college, did the whole thing and then started getting into Brazilian jiu-jitsu and Muay Thai. And, uh, I was training with a, a good group of guys out in Denver, Colorado at, uh, inner strength fitness and, uh, guys like Brandon Thatch and, and, and people of that caliber. And they, they asked me to stick around for, for fight team training, uh, because they, had, had known that I had wrestled, saw that I was picking up the jiu-jitsu pretty well, and it really just kind of, like, piqued my interest. Fast forward a couple of years, uh, I moved home, ended up start training full-time, and, and, and just started pursuing it. Um, I lost my first my first amateur fight, and, and I was, like, I was hooked. I asked my coach that night, I'm like, hey, man, you know, uh, I want to fight again. Like, I, I feel like I could do so much better than I just did, and, you know, do you think we could get another fight tonight? And he's like, dude, we, we have to wait like six or seven weeks for this promotion to, to put another show on. You don't get to fight like that. And it was just like, it, it, it was so reminiscent of, of high school wrestling and, and that competitive edge and having that fire under my ass. And, and really just, it really just, dude, it stole my heart that night. And, and, I, and I haven't looked back since. So cool, my dude. That was a great fucking story. Now, your last grab was a finish over at Cage Titans. That was just a few months ago. Do you have a timetable of when you'd like to get back into the cage? Or have you kind of already been, you know, without revealing too much, has already been something put out in front of you? Like, when can we see you back in the cage most likely, my dude? So, um, I'm having a baby in August. Congratulations, um, man. So, we the, the birth plan said we're going to wait till after the baby unless the UFC calls. And, and um you know, putting down four people in, in such a fashion and in, in such a manner back to back like that, I figure has got to have a couple eyes back on me. So um, if I get an opportunity to fight at the next level, it's it's part of the birth plan that I say yes. And if nothing materializes before then, uh, you could look to see me back this fall uh, at Cage Titans. Very cool. Now, I'll go ahead and skip ahead one question because you'd already kind of segued perfectly into that. So you are on a four fight win streak now you've been in the game for a long time you are a crafty wily veteran but it really appears like you are improving every single time we see you do you feel like you're at your best version both uh in the cage and kind of the mental aspect of it as well i do you know i feel like i'm, I'm still getting better i feel like I'm, I'm still coming into like the prime version you know the best version of myself every fight every camp i, I look to improve on certain things and um I, I just, it really gives me the opportunity to shine uh, at Cage Titans in the meantime. And I, I'm doing everything I can to get back to the next level. You know, I, I took a couple, a couple of easier fights for lack of a better term. Sorry, my dog's going nuts. That's all right. Um, so I took a couple of not easier fights, but, you know, more sensible fights coming back after being released from the UFC. Well, honestly, I came back and I fought one of the top prospects in new England. And I feel like I beat the brakes off of him for three rounds and he ended up getting a split decision going the other way. So on my record, I'm, I'm 
four and one since going into the UFC, but uh, coming home from the UFC. But honestly, I think I'm five and zero. Oh. Like I, it was a terrible decision. I think everybody in the venue that night knows I got robbed, but that's a conversation for another day. So yeah. I'm, I'm just trying to beat motherfuckers up and get and get the eyes back on me, you know. And and I can't keep doing the same things I was doing, you know, that that got me released from the UFC. And I've I've kind of switched up, you know, the focus on what I've been doing, um, you know in this day and age it's awesome you can you can pay these amazing coaches through their patreons or through one-on-one stuff and do a lot of stuff virtually a lot of stuff remote and uh the past you know since covid is when i was when i found coach barry robinson he's he's known as the rhythm step guy on instagram for for lack of a deeper uh description or introduction but um you know i've been i've been doing a lot into his tutorials i've been doing a lot through his patreon and just really, really working on, on my stand-up and, and more principles of the game, not so much like, you know, how to punch, but everything else that happens in between the punching. Well, it's clearly paying off dividends, dude, because like I said, uh, as someone who saw you earlier in your career and now seeing you in your last run over there at Cage Titans, you really see the whole game coming together. And that's a, that's a great uh, piece of clarification as to why we're seeing you at such a high level right now now dude switching gears into your nickname slippery pete now in the in the mma world we have ourselves a slew of people who call themselves pit bulls and spartans and the naturals and whatnot but there is no other slippery pete where does that name come from <laughs> who gave it to you, dude? yeah it was a it, you know it, it it just it stuck um Everybody's like, what? oh, the Seinfeld guy? And I'm like, dude, I don't I fucking hate Seinfeld. You know, I'm like, don't, don't, don't do that. You're you're wrong. I will show you, I will knock you out with my colorfully planted toenails, and, and then you'll know exactly who who Slip Repeat is. Um, but you know, God rest my my stepdad. We were down at my at his house, at my mom's house, having a dinner party. The whole family was together, and, and one of his daughters, one of my stepsisters, was like, oh, re- just recounting, you know, this vacation, that vacation. Oh, I really loved the, the beach at this house. I loved the patio at that house. Um, the dock was the best at this house, and so on and so forth. And she goes, I remember all these houses, but, you know, I don't much remember Pete ever being Pete. I don't remember you being there. And my stepdad, and this was like towards the end of his life, and he was, you know, probably had one too many wines for the amount of medicine he was on. And he goes, who, Slippery Pete? He was, he was always there. He was just up chasing the ladies. <laughs> and, and I told the guys at the gym, you know, that Monday or whatever. And it was just like, oh, we can't let that one go. That, that's right. a great nickname. <laughs> Dude, it's so good. And what a great story to go from behind. Oh, yeah, Slippery Pete. Oh, yeah, he's out chasing the ladies. So yeah, we, and 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 you know everybody at Cage Titans loves to hate me, so it just kind of it, it really took off. Oh, dude, it's so good. I love it. Dude. Now, music for a lot of us, uh, Pete, plays a huge role, not just in training, but outside of training. What's on the playlist right now? What are you really into music-wise um, that you could share with us? Dude, it's a summertime, you know, and and I've been like I, when I'm getting ready in the morning, there's like a good playlist on spotify called 432 hertz reggae it's a lot of bob marley and the 432 hertz has like you know uh esoteric meaning to the extent where i believe that's 432 i believe is the the tone that which the earth like hums everything's on that vibrational frequency so it's calming and soothing for your brain to listen to music that's in that tone uh and all of bob marley's music is set in that tone for that reason 
Um, so I, I, I try to jam out to that a lot in the morning when I'm getting ready to get out of the house. But, you know, if, if you want to catch me in the gym, <clears throat> I've got a public playlist on, on Spotify called Marathon Monday. And it's the hyphiest, craziest hip hop, electro EDM, like let's get after it type music to 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 work out to it's like a 30 hour playlist it's amazing <laughs> dude that sounds so good that's first of all and then second of all in all of the history of this show that might be the first time the word esoteric has been used so that's a one for the books dude i love it <laughs> <laughs> now dude you fought in cage titans a slew of times the ufc dana white contender series the ces promotion so you've had fights under all sorts of different banners all over your 21 uh fight pro career does any one stand out? Like when you look back at your career and you're looking kind of either you're looking at your own topology or you're maybe watching old tapes or just whatever, even just thinking about it. Is there one fight that stands out? You were like, man, that was that was the fight. I love that fight. I love the way I finished that fight. I love the way I fought there. I love the way I was way to you know, showcase my skills. Is there one that sticks out in the career for you, my dude? You know, my last fight, you know, was, was, was awesome. Yeah. You know, a lot of people told me, Hey, that's the, that's, that's probably the best fight I've ever seen live. And, and to be honest, I watched that performance and while everybody loved it and it was high energy, I mean, I fought with my ego. I stayed in the 50, 50 and I let him hit me. I am so much more talented and capable than that. Um, my favorite fight, favorite, favorite fight. And it's like one of the most like overplayed highlight reel is when I fought Zach D. Sabatino to get me into the contender series. He was another kid, you know, top prospect. I was coming off a slew of losses, still had a good reputation locally as being a bad motherfucker. But, you know, I was going through some depression and whatnot, did a lot of work with the therapist leading up to that fight. And that was like the culmination for me of the battle with, with my, with my mental demons, having lost my dad and my brother the year before, uh, like almost within two months. So, you know, that fight was like the epitome of one of my biggest internal battles, like like a, a moment in a hero's journey, if you will, where there's where you come back home and everything makes sense again. You know, dude, that was so aptly put. And I'll tell you, you know, we 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 talk about it on social media a lot. We say, you know, men's mental health matters too, and it's everybody's mental health matters. And uh, we it, we're lucky when we get to find that that place where we get out of those bad spots and be able to have that uh, tangible thing that kind of feels like, okay, I'm back. I'm back to my normal self. I'm back to things. And, and you know, we, we don't talk about it enough. So I really appreciate you bringing that up, my dude. Now this next one is always interesting for me, Pete, because there are fighters who know exactly what the, what their the response is going to be. And there's other ones who really need to mull it over for a minute. So we'll see what category you fall into, dude. If you couldn't fight for money, so fighting was still a thing, but it was just blanket amateur everywhere. You couldn't make money. What do you think you'd be doing for your career as far as, you know, to put food on the table and make ends meet, like career-wise? Fighting wasn't an option. What do you think you'd be doing? Probably uh, restaurants. My, my, I, I come from a long line of, uh, of, of uh, owners, operators, restaurateurs, if you will, um, the, the, this may or may not ring a bell, but um, Howard Johnson's. Yeah, uh, the Hojo. Ho Hojo's, right? <laughs> yeah. So I don't know if they made it out as far west as you, but they had a concept uh, in the late 80s, early 90s called the Ground Round. Probably back into the 70s. I, think it, I don't think it ever really made it that far, but 
my grandfather was the vice president, uh, the vice, the vice president of, of operations for Howard Johnson's at one time. His pet project was the ground round. It was a huge restaurant chain up here in New England. They were famous because you could get peanuts and throw the shells on the floor and they just came and swept them up. Um, which then led into his own restaurant empire. They had a, about 80 stores at one point uh, in the late 80s, early 90s. And now, you know, that business still is owned and operated by my aunt. My uncle has his own uh, restaurant business, you know. So I, I'd probably be somewhere in the restaurant industry. It comes to me like second nature. It's almost it's like it's you put me in any set setting situation in a restaurant, I can find you the best possible solution within a minute. Um, and that's just what I grew up in. I used to, we used to go to, to, to my dad, go to work with my dad when we were little and play hide and seek under the tables while they were setting up the big brunches and whatnot. Like we've done fine dining, casual dining, Americana, you know, white tablecloth, sports bars, like the whole nine. Dude, that it's almost like I fed you these questions prior to, but I certainly did not. But you have segued this perfectly into round nine. With round nine with Ron, it was one of the fans' most big, like, favorite ones of them all, dude. It, it's food. So we have to cut weight. It's just part of what we have to do as professional fighters. It sucks, but it's just something that comes along with the territory. But after the fight, after you've already won, after you've already out celebrating with your friends and your family, if you get some, you can get whatever you want, dude. What are you going for? Or where are you getting it from? Uh, the, the pizza in 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 the north end in boston is fucking amazing the pizza in the north end is is awesome i like pizzeria uh the regina pizzeria in the north end they're like their historical flagship store has like the same pizza oven that's been there forever as far as i'm concerned so you know they they turn out amazing pies and they're huge massive pizzas um nice thin crispy crust like that's usually what i opt for if, if i'm gonna go big um, but at the same, in the, and in the same breath of air, maybe I just want a big ass fucking filet. <laughs> and I'm like, I'm a steak guy. I'm a, yeah. in and out of camp, no matter what you, you what am I normally eating? Steak and, 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 and steak and carbohydrates, steak and rice, rice and steak. You know what I mean? Rice and potatoes, steak and potatoes. I'm, 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 I'm easy. Dude. Okay. So now that you mentioned pizza and you mentioned Boston and you mentioned, the uh, old brick, you know, wood fire oven that you talk about in the north end. Have you had Detroit style pizza? Has that made its way to the northeast? And have you been able to have it? No, I haven't. Okay. I've, I've had like I've had. Are you referring to like deep dish or is there a, 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 a like a so yeah, the, Detroit style. yeah Detroit Detroit is a signature style. It's kind of what I like to say is it's kind of in between regular pan and deep dish it's kind of an in-between and it was used because the uh there was we you know here in detroit we're 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 the auto you know we're the, we're the motor city so um there were lots of tool and die shops that had these pans these really thick metal pans and uh they you know they ended up using them to start making pizzas back in the day at a place called buddies and it's really taken off and it's it's gone all over the globe so yeah dude if you if you just kind of google like Detroit style pizzas near me. I bet you there's at least one spot that serves it. I would love to get you to fucking try and then hit me up and let me know how it was. But yeah, Detroit style, I think you really dig it, dude. All right. So, Pete, we have gone our way to the 10th round with Rhino, which is the easiest round of them all. Share your social medias with us, dude. So, me and the Rhino gang, everybody following along and listening can kind of, you know, can follow you on uh, on social media. Keep tabs on your career moving forward. So, just share your social medias with us, dude. Right on, my brother. So Instagram is where I'm like most active. They like to keep me on a shadow ban there. You know, I don't really, <laughs> I don't really agree with with the, with the public narrative on a lot of things, and and I'm pretty vocal about it. But big tech doesn't really like that. So 
if you can't find me, you got to type the whole thing in. It's slippery Pete underscore 145 or slippery Pete 145. If you don't type the whole thing in, you'll never find me. That's unfortunate, but uh, I, I do keep it very light and entertaining over there. You could also uh, find me on Facebook. I haven't been super active there lately, but Slippery Pete, Peter Barrett, uh, as an athlete page, or Peter Barrett on my personal page. They're pretty much the same thing at this point. Um, Twitter is at Slippery's World. I've been doing my best to be more active over there. And uh, I am on TikTok. I just don't post. I like to, I like, I like to follow my esoteric and, and conspiracy theory nuts. <laughs> There's esoteric again. Holy shit, I love it, dude. Well, fam, let's go ahead and give Pete a follow on all the social media platforms. He's obviously an entertaining guy. If you haven't seen him fight, check him out on YouTube. And I can't wait to see what's going to be next for you over there at Cage Titans or whatever else you may wind up. And I do because you are so, super exciting, super fun to watch. We really appreciate you uh, taking the time to be interviewed today, Pete. So thanks very much, my brother. Absolutely. I had a blast. This is Slippery Pete, Peter Barrett, and I just went 10 rounds with Rhino. Peter, man, thank you so very much, my dude. We can't wait to see your next fight, whether it's with Kings Titans or if you get back into the UFC or whatever happens, dude. We are super stoked for you, so thank you very much for taking the time, my dude. All right, let's go ahead and get our shout-outs and our outro to our forum contributors to tie the fly guy, my Denver Broncos-loving fanatic. To the Rangers Sweet Potato, the woodworking machine that he is, thank you, RSP. To Doc, my homie from home, my best friend of 25 years, thank you, sir. To the holster, Brian from the home and sale. To the juicy fruit baby from Friendly Sparring Pod. To Jess, the scream queen, supreme, we love you. To APB, the co-host, with the mo-host. To the filthy casual, Tom and Sandy, Tori, Fabian, Miss Fight Diva, Shasanga, Hunter and Dylan from 24-7 FC down in Pittsburgh. To Jillian, Monica, Katie, Chrissy, and Jason, my underdog MMA peeps. To Cyrus King. To Leslie, Brett, Pamela. Shannon, Steffi, and Gina for the PRG. My beloved Rhino Gang GC, who I love so much. Love you guys, gang, 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 gang. To the future player, Drea. To the best engineer in the biz, D Reigns. To uh, J at JMMA4 on Twitter and at JMMA on YouTube. Our graphic designer, another great poster this week. Check him out for his video game MMA content. Awesome, awesome guy. Thank you very much, Jay. I, dude, it has been a very hectic and trying couple of weeks for a lot of us. I hope, I hope things are starting to clear up and get better for everybody. As we love to say around here, love is greater than hate. And we will see you next week. Gage Side!